Welcome to another edition of We Need to Talk About Movies. Brought to you by Banterflix.com. And now, here's your host, Jim McLean. Hello, I'm your host, Jim McLean. Welcome to the latest episode of We Need to Talk About Movies. It's a special edition of We Need to Talk About Movies. It's the March edition of the Banterflix Ramble. Now, dear listeners, you might be wondering to yourself, what's different? Because the Banterflix podcasts are normally a bit rambly, particularly when I'm involved. But this is a little bit different because we've no set theme. I know people have said we normally don't have a set theme, but no, trust us, we we really don't have a set theme. We're going to talk for about an hour, a little bit over an hour, and just generally chat about some of the things that have caught our attention over the past month. And I can't ramble alone. I am joined on this recording by two fellow Ramblies, and I think if I'm correct, they are making their debut on the Ramblecast, and that is James Oliver from Huey Lewis and Reviews, straight from annoying me with his opinions and his upbeat, enthusiastic thoughts about Zack Snyder's Justice League. Hello to you, James. There are some points, actually, we never got around to. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding. <laughs> <laughs> totally kidding. Let, let's, <laughs> let's, let's be honest, right? At some point, Zack Snyder's Justice League is going to come up in the next hour. Now, the other person is Banderflix's very own, Victoria Brown. Hello to you, Victoria. Hi. How are you? I am good, Victoria. How are you on this rather sunny Tuesday evening? Yeah, I am being blinded by the sun right now, but it's all good. Yeah, it is good. It allowed me to get a movie reference in just before we started to record. And it was a movie reference that once again, as they say, never work with kids because uh, you bring up a reference and you go, this is a pretty safe bet. Everybody's seen Cocoon, surely. You know, Cocoon made us all believe again. And no, I got blank expressions from both of our contributors on the Bandaflix Ramble who had never seen Cocoon. Maybe... My reference to how Victoria is looking, for those of you who are able to watch this video, uh, I'll maybe put a little post up on Facebook and maybe a side-by-side, but I don't know. I wouldn't, <laughs> want to, I wouldn't want to insult a local writer. But anyway, so that's our contributors who will be joining me on this rambly edition of the podcast. And I think we'll kind of just get straight into it. And we'll start with you, James. There's no set agenda for this. Generally, movie news-wise, trailers, anything along that lines. Before we get into specifics of movies, what's caught your attention over March? Oh, well, uh, um, the Suicide Squad trailer um, that came out the other the other week there. Yeah, that or other day, I should say. Yeah, um, looks really fun. Um, I'm probably in the minority of people who actually enjoyed, um, you know, David Ayer's uh, 2016 version. Um, simply because you could go in and just switch your brain off and that's that. Whereas James Gunn seems to have brought his kind of trademark dark humour to it as such, like uh, like we've seen in Guardians of the Galaxy. So yeah, looks like a lot of fun. King Shark, I mean, I'm all for it. I don't even know who King Shark is, but I mean, it's voiced by Sylvester Stallone and he eats people. So I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm all for it. I, I can, you know, I can get with that. So. <laughs> <laughs> winner winner James look all I'm gonna say is what how long was that trailer like two and a half minutes or so like that. It, 
It entertained me in two and a half minutes more than Zack Snyder's Justice League did in nearly four hours. Now you see you're baiting me. You're gonna you're gonna bait me here. <laughs> well, well, the thing is, James, I think you baited yourself when you said that you were a fan of the the first Suicide Squad, a film that was a true mess. And whilst it did give us Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn, which uh, is a plus. Although it did leer at her quite a lot and it leered at her derriere quite a little bit too much. That even me, who's far from the the Mr. Darcy of the Banterflix Brigade, as uh, a Pride and Prejudice reference in there for the kids. And uh, I'm far <laughs> I'm far from the Mr. Darcy of the Banterflix Brigade. But even when I notice it, I feel a bit self-aware. And then you, when you see what the difference a female director comes in and does with Birds of Prey, which I know it's a film that a lot of people don't like. I adored Birds of Prey. And I know, you know, talking of that, and I'm sure we will, you know, we've, I've mentioned Zack Snyder's Justice League. We have already seen, was it one million tweets searching for Zack Snyder con- to continue on the Snyderverse. Uh, one of the things that caught my attention today was Godzilla versus Kong. IMDb have had to take a lot of the negative one star reviews for a title that isn't review isn't actually out yet but it is uh Snyderverse fans saying and again I, I will clarify that it's something I didn't clarify on the last pod when we talked about Justice League a few a f- there is a there is a vocal few of those who've clamored for the Snyder cut release and have demanded it be presented to them have acted abhorrently they have been terrible I, I say just just you know look at what some of the the, the well respected female film critics have had to put up with in the past couple of weeks since the release of Zack Snyder's just to speak. It is a vocal minority. But again, we see I said this on the pod the last time, you have no idea the forces Warner Brothers you have unleashed. And there we go. They are unhappy that Warner Brothers Warner Brothers execs have said, look, we're not gonna do another Zack Snyder film. So they have said we will uh, one-star review Warner Brothers titles. Who really cares about IMDb titles? I don't really that much. But anyway, sorry, James, I just went on a rant. You, you, you said, you said I baited you. I think I baited myself more than anything. But yes, you, you were going to tell all our viewers and all our listeners that you love the first size Suicide Squad. And even though we've now got James Gunn, who looks like he's maybe bringing a screenplay, uh, an interesting screenplay which the first one didn't have, and uh, <clears throat> Zack Snyder's Justice League definitely didn't have. Um, he's uh, He's got something that might just be fun. Yeah. But, I you, mean, but you preferred, you've heard the first one. You preferred the first no, one. No, I didn't know. No, I didn't. <laughs> well, uh, this one isn't even out yet, so I can't say if I hear it. You're going to say it, it, it. It's on the poster already. James James Oliver, I preferred the first one. Huey Lewis and the Jeez. <laughs> you, you'd take that. Let's be honest. You'd take that. <laughs> I mean, you know what? If it like if it gets me more more publicity, <laughs> there we go. Well, well, what I'm saying, I should right say there. you preferred. What I'm saying, what I should to clarify again, a little bit of uh, Freudian slip on my own behalf was not you preferred the first Suicide Squad. You're a fan of it. Yeah, I mean, I don't like it's just one of those ones. You, like I say, you go in, you switch off, and it's good. It gave us, as you rightfully said, the introduction of Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn for the first ever uh, on-screen portrayal of her. So that was good to see. Um, I didn't mind Will Smith as Deadshot, you know, maybe just a bit cliche, but uh, you know, I didn't mind him. Everyone else, kind of, I mean, I don't know what Cara Delevingne was trying to do in that film. Um, some she looked like a wacky inflatable arm man, you know. 
They were like, <laughs> 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 I mean, doing all their witchy voodoo stuff, and that's poor CGI there, by the way. But uh, yeah, but you know, but yeah, it, it has its pros and cons, like any film, pros and cons. Mm, not mainly a lot cons, pros. not a lot just of pros. One. <laughs> no, I know mainly cons. That's why I'm saying mainly cons. <laughs> and I noticed you didn't mention Jared Leto's Joker, but let's not go there. Victoria Brown, you know, where are you going to win? Were you? Fan of the first Suicide Squad, are you pumped about? Uh, I think this one is the Suicide Squad. Now I think that's the way it's kind of. Yeah. It's it's kind of like a sequel stroke, kind of very soft, soft reboot of the whole thing. Yeah, I really, really hated the first one. Like, like you both said, like Harley Quinn, she was incredible. Like to see her like actually on the screen properly, and even in the new trailer, her new costume looks very cool. Jared Leto's Joker killed me. I just couldn't. Every time he came on the screen, I cringed. Like the rest of the film wasn't actually that bad, but he made it so much worse. I know it's not fair to put all the blame on him because it's not all his fault, but at the same time, no. <laughs> it's mostly his fault, though. It is. <laughs> <laughs> like 80 yeah. 20. It's so bad. <laughs> yeah, there well, we go. Um... Look, look, for anybody who wants to hear my rant about Jared Leto's Joker, just listen to the previous podcast where we talked about <laughs> Zack Snyder's Justice League. <laughs> Um, but look, let, let's not allow ourselves because we really got into like a nearly an hour and 40 minute chat about Zack Snyder's Justice League. Let's not allow ourselves to go too much down that and let it dominate everything. But uh, I, I think that happened today as we recorded. I just seen the thing with Warner Brothers and IMDb and I just went, oh, really? You know, is this what it's going to be? Is this what we're going to have to put up with now until, you know, Zack Snyder gets another go at something? I said it in the previous pod. This is all I will say that I will draw a line under it. There is nothing wrong with a graphic novel, a comic book series of the Snyderverse. I think that would probably keep everybody happy, um, but people just seem to think that it has to be on the big screen. Zack Snyder's a lovely guy. I just don't know why so many people seem to have such a Jeremy Clarkson-style hard-on for him. I really don't know why. They they just seem to like love him in the way like people love Jeremy Clarkson when he was hosting Top Gear. But uh, yeah, yeah, seems like a nice guy. As I said in the previous pod, I'm glad he got to make the film that he wanted to do. It's just that his head bangingly dull and bum-numbingly long. That's kind of my thing. Victoria, for you, um, anything else, movie news in the world of cinema or even greater TV, I suppose, as well, has caught your attention? I saw that Russell Crowe has been cast in the Thor Love and Thunder, and I'm not sure how I feel about it. Like, I'm not a huge fan of Russell Crowe, but it depends what the character is, I guess. It also depends what Russell Crowe we're going to get. Are we going to get fat, grumpy Russell Crowe, or are we going to get lean and, lean and mean kind of thespian Russell Crowe? Well, well, hang on. What do you mean you don't like Russell Crowe? I love... I I know he's a bit of a mean and moody guy, and he really loves his poetry, and he really didn't like being snubbed from the BAFTAs uh, <laughs> and not being able to do his poem on air. But I, I genuinely think, you know, Russell Crowe, as a performer, is a pretty reliable on-screen presence. Oh, no, no, he's good. Like, there's never been a performance where he's been bad that I've seen anyway, but he's not someone that I would, like, actively seek out to watch ever. Like, there's times where I've seen a film that he's in and I've gone, oh, yeah, he was good, but I would never, like, actively go out of my way to try and watch his stuff. Yeah, I, I get you. I, I can get that. You know, there's actors that you go, yeah, they're great, but, you know, I wouldn't rush out to see them in the cinema. James, you know, you're excited. I, I don't think anyone has revealed what it is. They were trying to keep it a secret, I believe. Um, but I think that's the problem. You have someone on set and you have people with smartphones and stuff now. It's just this stuff just leaks out. I think were you saying on the Zack Snyder Justice League pod, you know, I think like hasn't Charlie Cox 
been seen on the Spider-Man, the, the next Spider-Man, um, whatever it is called, No Way Home or whatever it's called. He's been spotted on set. Someone took a photo of him. I don't think it was in costume or anything like that, in the Daredevil costume, but he was spotted or photographed on set. Maybe it yeah. wasn't you, James. I no, I think, I, I think it might have been, yeah. But yeah, he was photographed just in his, in his suit. So a lot of people are taken from that, that uh, he will be Peter Parker's attorney, because obviously the way Far From Home ended with his identity being revealed to the entire world by uh, Mysterio. So yeah, a lot of people are taken, well, putting two and two together sort of thing. Um, could be entirely wrong. You know, they could have literally just saw Charlie Cox in, in a nice suit. He could have been grabbing a Starbucks, you know, and people have been like, oh, he's on set, he's on set. And it's like, you know, maybe he wasn't at all. <laughs> could have been about 12 blocks from the set. Nobody knows. <laughs> Charlie Cox is a sexy man. I would happily take a photo of him in, in, a, in, a, in a nice suit, you know, try to keep it clean to him. You know, it's pretty watershed and all that type of stuff. But he, yeah, he's a good looking guy. And I, I said in the past, I've said on the previous pod, I've said it before, I can't bring myself to watch the last episode of Daredevil because then it's over. So if if he is on, if he if he is going to be brought back in the MCU, then hell yeah, I can watch that final episode and know that that Daredevil is back, and maybe even Jessica Jones can come back because I love Jessica Jones. Um, fingers crossed. You know, Iron Fist and the other one you can keep. Um, Luke Cage, nah, not for me. Luke Cage, the Luke Cage stuff on on Netflix just was like a poor man's version off the wire but uh hey each 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 to their own have any been watching uh just talking tv stuff just kind of going off on a tangent hey it's a ramble we can do this any been watching falcon and the winter soldier so far <clears throat> not yet do you Saving I think myself. You're... wandavision kind of ruined me okay i think <laughs> i've seen you i'll come back to the wandavision ruining you victoria but you nodded your head james so you you have yeah. what's your thoughts yeah, yeah. so far um i'm not going it's i think i don't know whether it's because wandavision is still quite fresh in my mind that you know it's like because there is obviously some big things that happen in that series and and then it went straight into our Falcon Falcon and Winter Soldier that um I don't know whether it's that like um like it was you know the hype kind of died out a bit or it just switched so quickly that I didn't have you know time to kind of build it up as much as other people have I thought it's okay so far I mean I I really can't turn around and say it's been phenomenal it's but it's been decent like you know it's it's still entertaining still does what it what you wanted to sort of thing but yeah um kind of it's kind of like beverly hills cop sort of thing you know that kind of dynamic cop to you between the two of them like you know something like that but yeah i i i remember when uh axel foley you know went through the the air kind of doing loads of stuff falcon style uh back in the 80s no i'm really making fun um i'm uh i'm actually really pleasantly surprised by it because it seems to be following on the the kind of tone of the captain america stuff which i think is the best within the mcu i don't think they've topped winter soldier just yet for that idea of, of taking Captain America and making him interesting by giving him that unflinching set of morals and letting him refuse to break them. This looks like it's going to be a carry-on from that. I think we might get Hydra coming back. There's lots of things that there's kind of definitely kind of um, stuff left over from the, the George Floyd stuff in America. That's very prevalent. You know, the fact that we that America's maybe not ready for a black Captain America. So they decide just to bring somebody else back. Sorry, spoiler, Victoria. 
there's a new Captain America. Yeah, oh, I, oh, I saw. that to look forward to. But um, I think I think it's slow. I don't think it's trying to grab your attention in the same way as WandaVision did. But WandaVision was always going to grab the attention in the way that it was set up on its premise. Um, I think this is only six episodes. We're two episodes in as we record this ramble. I'm pleasantly surprised. It is slow. It's a slow burner. I think it's just going to be probably... I think it's going to finish really strong. Fingers crossed. Plus, I, I love the character of Winter Soldier. But you said, Victoria, that WandaVision broke you. So... Yes. Oh, my God. Like, I didn't go in expecting much because I was trying to avoid spoilers. But it was so much better than I expected. Like, I did not expect to care about Scarlet Witch as much as I did. <laughs> Because, like, in, in the main Avengers, like, she is cool, but there wasn't a lot of, not even though there wasn't a lot of depth to her, they didn't focus on her that much, so I didn't really care. Whereas now you're seeing not only how much the Avengers meant to her, but how much being, like, a part of their teams affected her. Like, her grief was, it, it felt so real to me, and it was such a, like Vision's speech about how grief is just love preserved. I thought that was amazing. I sat in my room and cried watching it. But yeah, I'm kind of the same as James. I think if I went from one division straight into Falcon and the Winter Soldier, I might not. It would be too big of a jump because there's such a difference in tone. So yeah, I think I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait a couple of weeks, binge it, and then wait a couple of weeks for Loki to come out because I think that's June. So that's that's my plan, anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for the next few years, we're going to have a lot of Marvel stuff on the small screen. A lot of stuff from oh. the MCU. I, I'm the person, it's weird because uh, I see, you know, when we were recording actually our Justice League pod, I was looking through Facebook memories and I was looking back at an article I wrote, one of the few ones that actually was proved quite popular when I talked about comic book movie fatigue. And I'm kind of like going, it kind of feels more relevant than ever now in the fact that is so much MCU content is going to be coming through on Disney+. And then in the next year or two, we're going to have so much Star Wars content coming through on the small screen as well that you, you just don't know if the kind of the threshold, the quality threshold will remain. I, I mean, I loved WandaVision. I, I didn't have a full-down emotional breakdown. Shock horror. I know I'm usually the person that has, you know, emotional breakdowns at the smallest thing. But I did have a, a few uh, bit of dust in my eyes, particularly in the latter episodes. I'm going to come to you, James, very quickly, see what you thought of WandaVision. I know you talked about it briefly, but for you, Victoria, I'm guessing and you binged it. You didn't watch it episodically i waited a wee bit and then i binged it like right up until like the week before the last episode which was a bad idea because <laughs> i had to wait like the full week before the finale but yeah, i didn't want to have to wait in between each week see this is this is this is the thing you know you kids you kids this is but going back in my youth <laughs> this is what i had to put up with if i had to wait something waited on a cliffhanger i had to wait you know maybe a week sometimes longer for it um and i actually i've, I've talked about this on a previous pod where I actually quite like the fact that I made a conscious effort because it was lockdown, because let's be honest, there wasn't a lot going on. I'm working from home and, you know, you're only really going out for exercise and shopping. So it kind of became a thing like Friday was WandaVision Day and she and Todd's lockdown and Radio Wall Street. That's what those days kind of became. And I enjoyed that. And we actually did that as well with Cobra Kai. I know Cobra Kai was released by Netflix all in one go. 
we said, right, we'll watch an episode on Sunday, and then we'll wait another Sunday and watch it. And I, I think I enjoyed it more in that sense rather than just binging and, and let it go. Um, I like the fact that it was trying to tell a story about grief. I think, you know, we talk about vocal fans, or I mentioned earlier on about a vocal few. I think there was some fans let down by what Wanda was finally revealed to be and the fact that it wasn't trying to redefine the MCU. It wasn't really bringing in the the multiverse. It teased it. It teased it in the most brilliant possible way. I, I will say that. And I will admit that I kind of lost my mind with the arrival of, of someone at the door, kind of going, oh my God, this is what they're going to do. And then maybe there was for a second, I was disappointed when it was revealed what it was. I think in hindsight, having stepped away from it a little bit and rewatched it, I think because it's they're, they're short episodes, they're not long, they're not as long as the Falcon and Winter Soldier. I think for what it was trying to do, yes, it finished in the standard MCU crash bang wallop rinse repeat kind of idea in the big finale, but the the stuff that it was there and kind of trying to explore the theme of grief, I thought it did really well. But that's enough of me rambling, James. You know, we didn't really give you much time to really share your thoughts on one division. <clears throat> Pardon me. Uh, no, I liked it. Um, thought it was great. Um, I thought for a father, second there, James, just you were maybe getting really caught up there and kind of feeling a bit emotional just thinking about it again. Clearing up. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, it's just a lot of, you know, a good few of my friends didn't like the finale, thought it was quite disappointing, especially the aforementioned character we just talked about who shows up. And I I, I thought the exact same thing. I thought, oh my God, is this how they're going to integrate this certain group of characters, and then it turned out to be just the butt of a joke at the end of it. So, yeah, but overall, no, thought it was great. Um, I like how she actually gets referred to now as the Scarlet Witch. I was just like, about goddamn time. Like, <laughs> shit. Because you're watching all the, you know, you watch back all the Avengers films and whatnot, and you're thinking, oh, is that? Oh, okay, cool. But of course, they couldn't use her proper name at the time due to. Um, I think it was licensing issues, I think it was, or something to do with that. And then, you know, you finally hear Agatha call her it, and you're just like, yes, now she's a badass bitch. Go on, girl. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, overall, I liked it. That was good. Can I just say, you know, Catherine Han might just be my new favorite villain in the MCU. No, it's it's because of one small reason, right? Um, And the song's kind of out there. I was kind of going... Oh yeah, she's just going to be a generic villain, and there's a dog involved in one division, and then there's a revelation about what happened to the dog, and I was like, right, you, you are just the worst villain in uh, MCU. You're up there now for me with Michael Keaton in Far From Home as and, and Thanos. You're actually you're above Thanos for what you did to dog. You're the Marvel's worst villain, not in terms of like your crappiest, but you're just the most evil villain <clears throat> of all time. I thought she was great. Um, I thought she was great. I think I, I don't know what they're going to do with Elizabeth Olsen's character now. Part of me does think that they maybe are potentially going to set her up for being whatever phase we're in now for, I don't know, 3.5, 4, you know, 8. I forget. I don't keep up with that stuff. I, I could be wrong. I could be reading it wrong. But it, it looks like they might be setting her up potentially as this phase's big villain. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I could be wrong. We know Scarlet Witch, you know, she. She has a bit of a dabbled history in the comic books. She's not always a goodie. She's one of those good kind of flawed characters or interesting characters. She's a goodie and she's baddie. She's a Catwoman. Um, but anyway, I don't know. Any initial any thoughts without going too spoilerifically before we move on to anything else, guys? 
Um, I think she's going to be in Doctor Strange, the second one. I think that's the setup that's going for. But besides that, I don't, I don't know what they could do. Um, because I know a lot of people are saying as well that uh, is it Khan the Conqueror? I think is was rumored to be like the phases next big like Thanos type villain. I think, but I, I don't know. Could go either way. <laughs> I've no idea. All I know is that Sam Raimi is directing that film, so bring it on. Yeah. Uh, I like I Doctor Strange deserved a sequel long before this, but uh, yeah. And talking of MCU, I suppose we may touch on it as well. You know, Disney Plus. We're going to get Black Widow there. We're going to get Cruella there. I'll hold my hand up. I've given in and done a premium rental and been bitterly disappointed because I I went for Barb and Star because I love all the people involved and was bitterly disappointed. Um, it just wasn't for me. Um, but uh, yeah, do any of you think that this might be these might these titles? I'll get the words out. These titles might be the films that maybe get you to tempt or tempt you to maybe take the plunge on some premium VOD? No. <laughs> like, I do want to see them, but I don't want to pay that much for it. Like, part of the reason I don't mind paying in an actual cinema is because you're getting the experience of the dark room, the comfy seat, the big screen, but it's not the same in my living room. <laughs> yeah, but Victoria, you don't have the cinema wankers that are not in every cinema, but there are cinema wankers in some cinemas. You don't, you don't have to put up with them you don't have to put up with that person who's talking throughout the entire film you don't have to put up the person who looks at the very end like in the black widow and kind of goes so what's going on what's going on who who's he who's she you don't have to put up with them anymore victoria you can just sit and just watch that in the, the pleasure of your own home of course i'm i'm just saying this in jest because i would always 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 choose to go for the cinematic experience and i know I think in America, they're doing a simultaneous release where it's going to be on Disney Plus at a premium rental. It might be like, uh, it wasn't Soul. What was it? What was the Disney film they put? Uh, Mulan. Mulan. Where you bought it early, so you get unlimited review. Yeah, it's yeah. not. I don't know if they're going to do it that way with this. Um, it might be. I can see them doing that with Cruella. Maybe it might be different mm-hmm. with different kind of stuff for Black Widow. I'm kind of like, if, if cinemas aren't properly reopened by the time it's released, hopefully they are. We're not quite certain here in Northern Ireland. There's uh, a roadmap with no set dates, which is both a good thing and a bad thing. But um, I don't know. I might just be tempted. And that might just be that I end up watching Black Widow at home. And then the next MCU movie I end up watching at the cinema, you know, maybe later in the year. I don't know. Because uh, in the grand scheme of things, 20 quid isn't that big. A difference when you add in all your cinema crap you know when you by the time you've got that you can just make that all at home and things but i don't know james you clearly nodded your head as well as someone who works in the cinema of course you're going to be biased you're going to say to everyone that they have to go watch it in the omnimax experience on the biggest screen possible and just you know you, you'll pay pay the money to see that film on the big screen um <clears throat> pardon me uh yeah well to be honest don't get all be- emotional again <laughs> I don't think it keeps staring my phone. It's really annoying. Um, I won't be entirely biased, no, because I, unlike Victoria, I, I would probably pay the money. And it's not even a case of, you know, like, how can I put it? It's not like, you know, choosing one over the other. Like, I obviously, I would love to be in a cinema right now. And just on a side note, um, there's a friend of mine on Instagram who lives in America. And he goes to his local theater, which is reopened. And I'm thinking to myself, if cinemas in America, which is still one of the 
badly affected areas in the world are reopening. I was like, no offense, guys up on the hill. I don't know which hill we're talking about here. I was like, we're, you know, where's the harm in opening up our, our cinemas? You know, there, there's been, and not just my cinema chain, every cinema chain in Belfast and the country has been implementing these precautions and they're safe and people are abiding by the rules and you know, sorry, I'm getting really frustrated on that note. Anyway, but that that's all I'm saying that. But um I'm kind of I'm kind of sitting, I can see both sides of the story. I mean, I miss the cinema. I really missed the cinema throughout January. January was really I've talked about it openly in this pod before. I've talked it with friends. January, February were really dark for me. And I know when I get in that bad place, I go to the cinema. I go to the cinema, I unwind. As I always say, you know, you leave your emotional baggage if it works. It doesn't for everybody at the kind of uh, ticket desk, go and watch your films and then pick them all your emotional baggage up at the end for two, three hours or whatever. You kind of forget it. But at the same time, you know, we, we aren't out of the woods yet. And I think from a cinema point of view, for a chain point of view, there's no point in coming back and reopening only maybe for, you know, two, three months down the line to be told, right, unfortunately, you're going to have to shut again. I think once we're in a place that we can reopen, I agree. I, I, I retweeted it a long time ago. Mark Cousins put a great piece out where he talked about the research that showed that no COVID positive, no po- positive COVID cases have been tracked back to cinema. So yeah, I agree all there. Uh, I agree in the logic. I-, I just think as much as I miss the cinema and I fucking miss the cinema, I really do. I I am prepared to wait that little bit longer in the hope that when they reopen, they can reopen and, and not reshot, not like what we had last year and where we had uncertainty, which led to Cineworld, even when cinemas were allowed to be reopening, to then close again, because cinemas need to be reopened on a constant, you know, on a long time basis for distributors to then say, right, we have the confidence to to bring your product into our cinema and to, um, to give our give our product to you and not think that it's going to be economically beneficial for us to just put it up on PVOD. Mm-hmm. If cinemas are safe, the social distancing measures, I know it puts some people off. We've done a little bit of research on this. It doesn't seem to put too many people off, but it puts enough people off. I think we can see kind of the the kind of benefits of maybe being closed that little bit longer in the hope that we are out of the worst of it. I know there's, as we record, there's talk of a third wave in Europe. We just got to hope for the best. And as I said, there's no point in reopening now. And then only for maybe, you know, just after summertime being told, ah, well, actually, we've got to shut down again. Oh, no, 100%. Like, I completely agree with you on that front. It's, and I mean, we, we can all understand each other here. You know, it is just the frustration because for some of us, the cinema, it is an escapism. You know, it is like you say, sometimes everyone has really bad days and they think, whether they go with a friend or they go by themselves, like, I've done plenty of times. It's like, right, just I need to take my mind off stuff. I'll pick out two films that I, I like the looks of and I can go and sit in a dark room for like six hours and, you know, and then, you know, just take my mind off things. But yeah, as you say, it would be definitely is the wiser decision to hold off that little bit longer in the hopes that when they finally reopen, they can do for the foreseeable future instead of this chopping and changing like, oh, we're reopening, got to close again. But in terms of the, the PVOD um, services, I'll happily purchase, you know, Godzilla versus Kong. As much as I'd love to see it on a big screen, I'll happily buy it to watch at home. And um, Black Widow, if it came down to it and it had the, you know, we were still waiting by that point, again, I probably would. You know, I mean, I've waited this long for it. I'll, you know, I'll pick it up in rental and I'll, I'll check it out. So it's not everyone's cup of tea, though, but I do, I do understand that as well. 
I will say this as well, just to caveat as another caveat to my own point about being prepared to wait, because I'm a print member, because I'm a member of the Prince Charles Cinema in London, because I go to London quite a bit for the film festivals. It's their membership's quite cheap. It's only like something like I think twenty pound a year. They've been sending me a lot of emails about their plans for reopening, and I'm very jealous. I think they're reopening in May, I think. Uh, or maybe even before that, but I'm kind of going to go, I want to go to London. I want to go to London. I always want to move. Someone watching or listening, just let me move in with you with London, in London, and I'll happily, you know, I'll take you to the Prince Charles and we'll go watch, like, uh, teen movies every Friday, bit of Clueless, all that kind of stuff, live the dream. They might even let me throw on Cocoon so I can take both of you to go show you what a wonderful (laughs) film it is. But, uh, yeah, you know, yeah, I'm. I can't wait. I mean, I was the person who was there the day cinemas reopened here in Northern Ireland. I went to go see. Uh, it was Onward, the Pixar film. Went to see it. I know it'd been out for a while, but just like I want to get back to the cinema. Watched a lot of stuff at the cinema when it was reopened and miss it like hell. But I can't wait for it to come back, Victoria. You you aren't tempted at all. Has anything has anything tempted you at all, Victoria, to go down the PVOD route? Not yet, but I'm hoping something comes up. A lot of stuff I'm watching at the minute is like I, I can rent it on Amazon Prime and it's quite cheap. Like it's two, three quid because it's some some of the older films, but I haven't seen anything yet that would make me want to pay like 20 quid. Depends how long it takes for the cinemas to reopen. Like I might just get frustrated. It's it's a lot of money. I, I made the point, I think it was when we were doing the Coming to America podcast with the guys from The Sixth Sense. I think had I watched um, Barb and Star on Amazon Prime, you know, for whatever it is, my rental fee or whatever it is, my monthly uh, payment for that is whatever it is. I think it's like seven ninety nine or something. I probably wouldn't have, wouldn't have minded it, but the fact that it's what was sixteen ninety nine or whatever it was, and it's made with the people who did Bridesmaids. We've got Jamie Dornan, one of our own, Mister Gray, singing and dancing. He's singing to a seagull. He's doing his normal accent. You've got a weird Kirsten Wig performance. And I love Kirsten Wig. She's kind of in one half being kind of full on Kirsten Wig, kind of, because I think that's where those characters came from, from Saturday Night Live. And then we have her also doing this weird kind of Dr. Evil, an albino Dr. Evil character. It's just a, a complete mess off a of film. And I was so down because the fact I had spent $15.99, whatever it was, to, to for the privilege. To, to watch it and uh, it was like right this after nearly a year's what I fucking give in and pay for and I hate it but um, yeah uh, talking of that talking of stuff that's coming to Amazon Prime or talking about Amazon Prime I can't wait I think it's in April the Adams I was going to say the Adam Sandler not Adam Sandler the Andy Samberg comedy Palm Springs with its elements of Groundhog Day, is finally coming to the UK, and I can't wait for that. It got ma- it got really good reviews at Sundance, and I was speaking to a couple of critics that I'd got to know through at, at the London Film Festival who seen it at Sundance and just said it was great. So um, can't wait for that. It was Sundance last year, not this year, of course. So uh, yeah, look, that's a lot of stuff we've we've talked with about the news, and no- I noticed that none of us really mentioned the Oscars, the awards season. I'm kind of. I'll be honest, I'm 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 not enthused for them this year at all. I think it's just with the fact they haven't been to cinema. There's some stuff I've seen on uh, online stuff that uh, I think is fine. I think it's fully worthy. Um, but I'm I'm not. I don't have the same interest this year. And I'm the person who sits up to all hours and and watches it. I'm the person who sat and danced around his room when Parasite won Best Picture. You know, two years ago. Well, well, last year. 
But um, I'm not enthused. I, I know, James, you said, let's do a pod about the Oscar nominations. And my response was, meh. <laughs> yeah, do, do we really need to? Um, and even more so after watching the shambles that was the Golden Globes experience, which just looked terrible. And I think the Academy, because it's in April, they're going to be doing that um, 29th or something around of April. I think the Oscars are this year. They're later, of course, because of COVID. But um, I think they are going to do a physical event. They are not doing uh, uh, over Zoom kind of thing um, at all because it just didn't work with the Globes. I don't know why the BAFTAs are going to be working. Um, I'm not quite certain. But James, you were getting very kind of agitated when we mentioned the awards. So clearly this is your point to go on as much of a rant as I did about Zack Snyder's Justice League. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's one big. No, um, the main... The main pet hate I had this year was that so many films having to be forced onto streaming platforms and there were some absolute gems now I've watched only a handful of the actual contenders themselves but even besides that there were some great great films that came out over the space of a year whether they were they got um you know whether they got proper uh publicity or not I was able to find them through Amazon Prime Netflix Disney Plus all that and, you know, in a year where you truly, truly, again, I can't talk, where you truly, you know, could have made it an Oscars like no other, when you could have had, you know, nominations that are completely left field, not expected at all. And to me personally, they just seem like they went for the same old shit. And it's like, you know, I, I just don't understand why. And I, you know, if, you know, if you think I'm wrong, please, honestly, feel free to tear me apart here. But um, personally, I just think, you know, just a lot of the nominations is just to appease certain, you know, certain types of people or, you know, certain fans or whatnot. And it just, it just annoyed me. That's generally what my pet hate is this year. I, I get where you're coming from. You know, I, I don't necessarily agree. I think the, the fact that so much, so much of these films are now going to, to streaming services. I think to be honest, it just makes sense now because if cinemas aren't closed, if audiences aren't maybe prepared to go to cinema as they would have before it's probably the best way of getting your content seen by as big an audience as possible you know i've seen nomadland i've seen minari um i haven't seen sound of metal but i know it's coming to amazon prime in april promising young woman i think it's going to sky cinema um because my honest about and i think it was a point i heard mark carmo would make it and I had said, because I, I was like, you as that person kind of going, oh, yeah, you know, they should have, could have done this and could have done that. But I was kind of thinking, in, in hindsight, you know, a lot of these films, and it's it's that privileged position where you get, you know, when you, you are a film critic, and not that I'm, you know, established in any sense, but, you know, I've been able to get screeners for a lot of stuff. And I'm, a lot of this stuff, I do find myself watching. It's nice to have the option. You watch it on a screener, on your iPad, on your computer. It's nice to have the option to be able to go see it in the cinema. But um, I don't know. I don't have an issue. It's weird, yes, that Nomadland is going to be on Disney Plus, but I think it is also going to get a cinematic release in May as well. I got an email today to confirm that. Um, I don't know. There, there's some interesting titles in there. I think um, I agree with it. It could have been. It could have been much more diverse, much more different. But uh, I think there's enough there to at least kind of a year on from the Parasite win to at least for me show that the Academy. And to an extent, even BAFTA, not the Golden Globes, let's not go there, have definitely shown signs of 
diversifying and responding to to audiences in a way that maybe four or five years ago it would mean we've got two female directors up for best director. I think that's the first time in a long, long time. Um, I would love to see Minari win best picture. I think it's lovely. Our very own Colette Fahey reviewed it for us on the website. She got to see it in America, where she is in Washington. I got to see it online at the Glasgow Film Festival. I think it's just lovely. I don't know if it will win. I'm not quite. I haven't seen everything that's up for nomination yet, so I can't really say one way or another. Where, where are you when in on this, Victoria Brown? To be honest, I haven't really been keeping up with the Oscars the last couple of years. Like, like you said, they do kind of tend to pander to certain expectations, and I just got bored of it. So, I, to tell you the truth, I couldn't even tell you what's up for nomination this year at all. But it's good to see that they are trying to diversify because they have a very like specific kind of kind of winner and a kind of film that wins. So it's good to see more artsy stuff more more women more people of color getting recognition for all the hard work they do yeah and as well i mean i do think soul will probably take home the academy award for best animated feature but it's great to see that wolf walkers locally produced feature which is available i think on apple plus i think that's available uh at the minute is absolutely lovely anything i forget the name of the the animation studio uh, I apologise, listeners, and I apologise, viewers, off the top of my head, but they have done some amazing stuff. They did the Song of the Sea, um, all that kind of stuff. They've—they're just—it's a lovely, lovely, lovely animation studio. And Wolf Walkers, if you haven't seen it, is well worth a watch. It was someone from Into Film, uh, Sean from Into Film, who we've had on the TV show, maybe not so much the pod, before recommended it for me, and I watched it and just thought it was lovely. You know, it's up to their usual high standard. I would be rooting for it any other year when you know if soul wasn't there but you know it is i i do think it'll win um best animated feature but i don't think i'm going to set up and watch it this year i really don't i think it'll be a case of go to bed nice and early get up the next day and check variety or somewhere and go oh they want they won chadwick boseman is probably a shoe in i think he's up for best actor um, I'm not sure what because what way because we have a few where it's, you think that would be a supporting role compared to actor, but I think Chadwick Boseman is probably a shoe in um, for best actor, and you know it might not be his greatest performance. I think he's great in that role, um, you know, in the same way Heath Ledger won posthumously for The Dark Knight. It would be nice to see him still being honoured. But you just hope it's more than just the fact that he's no longer here. But um, yeah, that's kind of that. Loads of news. We've talked quite a bit. Uh, so I think we'll actually move to some stuff that we've watched. And Victoria Brown, I heard you've been renting a few titles, a few oldies. Now, this is where I get old. And I feel really old when you say, oh, what's well, this really old movie? And you're like, yeah, I remember when that was out in the cinema. I remember when that was out in the <laughs> cinema. So uh, what have you been watching, Miss Brown? No, these are like actually old, so don't worry. <laughs> Um, I watched, because there's a load of um, silent films on YouTube, like they've got the full thing on it, and most of them do have English subtitles. So I watched The Hands of Orlac, which is about a musician who gets into a train crash and loses his hands and gets like new ones sewed on, but they're like the hands of a serial killer or something. Like, do you know the, I, the I really hope, episode with the hair? I really thought That's kind of what I really thought for a second, Victoria, you're going to say he was given the hands of a gorilla, the hands of a monkey. That would that would have definitely got me leaving this podcast right now and going straight to YouTube. 
But I, I don't think I've seen it, but I'm aware of the film that you are referencing. So I, I enter, yeah. I, I cut across you for a cheap gag. I apologize, Victoria. So <laughs> go, I hand things back over to you. Uh, I've got a little list here. Let's see. Uh, the Mask of Red Death and The Pit and the Pendulum. Getting some of Vincent Price stuff. Um, Creepshow. What's that for the first time? The Stephen King anthology. Matthew, my partner, walked in on me halfway through. There's, if you haven't seen it, I think it's the third act. There's, I think it's Leslie Nielsen is the villain and he's buried someone like in the sand up to his neck. My partner walked in and he was like, what the are you watching? And I was like, go away, this is really funny. Um, What else? Rope, the Hitchcock film. Had you not seen Rope before this? No, it's one of those ones like I'd read bits and pieces about, but I hadn't seen it. But I thought it was amazing. Like, it took me a second to realize that there's no, like, there's virtually no editing. Oh, there like, is editing. Like, there's there, there's, sneaky there's, editing. There's a, there's a lot of editing. Um, you know, I know if Robert J. Simpson was here, he would kind of r- run <laughs> to the film's defense. But um, yeah. <laughs> no, Rope is, Rope is great. But because I think uh, Joe McElroy and I did a little podcast where we discussed Rope a while ago when we were talking about the... Um, no, oh, 1917 when it was out when it was all kind of made to look like one shot yeah. uh, the, you can see when you watch it I, I think Rope's great and I think Rope's way ahead of its time and I think it's a better mm-hmm. film even than say Birdman which was out you know maybe yeah. five six years ago but I think when you watch it now you can see it's unavoidable where you can see where the cut points I forget how many off the top of my head where they are yeah but it is sensational and you've got uh, some great performances in that film I'm surprised you've only seen that now Victoria yeah so am I like I don't know why I waited so long because it was it was so worth it and then, what did I watch? yesterday I watched that new uh seaspiracy on Netflix if either of you have got it on your radar I've seen it on my Netflix suggested viewing when I'm scrolling past. Yeah. <laughs> scrolling past being the... Am I... Should should I go back and, and go into it and give it a watch, Miss Brown? There is a bit of the, like, white saviour kind of thing with the guy that is documenting everything, but it, it is a good watch. Like, I find it very difficult to watch. There are some scenes that are a bit brutal but the main message the main takeaway from it is don't eat fish so that's summary of the whole film for you okay all right okay uh i i might be tempted to give it a view uh, i need to be in the mood for that type of stuff but yeah, yeah. um that's that i don't know if you've sold it for me completely <sighs> especially when i'm maybe thinking possibly maybe a fish and chip this weekend i don't know it's good <laughs> it's good friday you have to go to the chippy you have to get fish and chip everybody knows that it's the done thing uh, and if you're going to tell me don't eat fish, you know maybe maybe I'll keep or maybe I'll watch it after Easter. Say no more. I've just offended a lot of people, but let's not go there. <laughs> James, uh, I mean, any of the films uh, that Victoria's mentioned have you seen, or or what have you been watching? Um, so this is where I uh, <laughs> I confess that I'm a complete sham and I don't know what I'm doing because not only have I never heard of the films Victoria was just mentioning and talking about, never seen them either. So yeah, and you know what? For people who have listened to the various podcasts that I've featured on on here and kind of have grasped already, old school, as much as I'd like to delve into it, I've never quite gotten around to it. What do you consider to be old school? 
Very carefully. <laughs> yeah, I don't like. If I get this wrong, can you edit it out? And I'm just like, like voiceover, like something in its place. Um, old school, something mm-hmm. like um, not not that I've seen it, but something like uh, the Alamo or Waterloo. Okay, good. Never see seen them, but that's you know something like that. Yeah. Okay. So I make it better or worse. I haven't seen them and I'm referring well, to them. Well, what I would <laughs> recommend, James, is I would recommend after this recording, go on Amazon or CX or somewhere. I'll hold it up. And unfortunately, if you're listening to this podcast, you'll not be able to see it. But buy yourself this, right? I've seen that before. I've seen that for sale before. The just mas- I just walked past it. <laughs> the Alfred Hitchcock Masterclass Collection. And, uh, you know, it is, you You just realize, I know we, we, we did around this time last year, maybe slightly later last year, um, curated by the lovely Miss Brown, where we did a little thing about our showcase of our favourite Hitchcock movies. And uh, you, you just realise how ahead of his time he was. Yes, there's some problems with Hitchcock as a filmmaker. There's no there's no getting away from that. And the issues of the male gaze, there's there's no denying that. But as a, a filmmaker, as a visionary who understood the visual power of cinema, you know, definitely worth your while. Rope, I think when Joe and I chatted about it, I think coming into it now and the hype that's been around, I think some people will be left a little bit maybe yeah. underwhelmed by it. But if you look at what Hitchcock was trying to do uh, and what he was trying to do, I think he over he succeeded. I just think, you know, it's just a masterclass. And then when you watch that, just kind of move on to stuff like the the touch of evil and all that kind of stuff. Those are bona fide classics, but uh, say no more. But anyway, we we were getting at you, James, just because you hadn't seen them, hadn't heard them before. So what have you heard of and what have you been watching? Um, so <laughs> recently um, I picked up a couple of steelbooks from CEX. Um, I, yeah, I'm a steelbook collector. I mean, I, I like not, you know, I'm, I'm not apologizing for it because I do love a shiny steelbook. Sometimes it is just the better cover art as opposed to the regular Blu-rays. But I picked up a couple of them. I got um, American Psycho, which you and I, Jim, talked about in depth. It was around about this time last year. I think it was, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Here's a key question, James. How many yes. copies of American Psycho have you got now? Only the two, actually, surprisingly. Okay. Yeah, so, I mean, I could pick up the, the 4K, you know, but um, I, I don't have a 4K TV, so therefore it's pointless at this moment in time. Um, you could be so retro. I, you, could, you could pick it up on VHS. I have can, looked for it. It's, I haven't found it yet, though, but I would love to have it on VHS because I remember the copy they had in Extra Vision. And whenever I looked at the back cover, it's the scene from when he drops the chainsaw on your girl and it's like that grimace on his face. And that always terrified me as a kid. And I was like, never watched that. Now, here we are, 20 somewhat years later. It's one of my favorite films. So, <laughs> so um, I got that. I picked up Seven as well um, on Steelbook. Again, probably my favorite film from David Fincher. Um, I got what else did I get? See this. I don't know. You've got to tell us. I know. I'm trying to. I'm trying to. Think, how, is it, if I can see from the top here, because it's up here. So for, for <laughs> one second. Um, what else did I get? What else did I get? Um, oh yes, yes. That was it. Sorry, RoboCop as well. Um, oh nice. Not the not the 2014 car crash of a film. Never. Um, the original with uh, with uh, Paul Weller. It's a great show. Was this the Arrow remaster? Um, okay. No, no, no. It was. Uh, I think it was the older Steelbook they did. Um, so it was. So I got that. Uh, again, it's one of my favorite sci-fi films in general, which I love. And what have I been watching recently? Last night I checked out um, 
I went on Netflix and I was browsing uh, because I always seem to go to Prime these days. So I went to Netflix for a change because I haven't been on in a while. And I found uh, it was a Jesse Eisenberg one from 2019 called The Art of Self-Defense. And it had caught my attention a while back, the trailer, and I never you know, saw of it again. And then it was on Netflix. And I was like, oh, cool, that's on there. So I stuck it on. Really, like, really good, actually. Um, Went completely a different direction, like, in the last half from what I thought it was going to be, but in a, in a good way, not in a bad way. So it's like a dark comedy, I want to say, like, I want to say thriller. It's probably not the right word for it, though. I don't want to say anything in case any of you has decided to give it a go. But it's Jesse Eisenberg, Imogen Poots, and yeah, it's a, it's it's quite deadpan comedy. So if you don't like kind of you know dry humor, you probably won't like it. Um, but yeah, I thought it was a lot of fun. And then I stuck on Molly's game straight after because absolutely love that film, and probably one of Jessica Chastain's better roles in the past couple of years. Um, she's recent stuff like is it Anna or something you call it? Um, and she's got the free five five coming out the start of next year. Just don't you know? Don't look interesting at all. But yeah, absolutely love Molly's game. It was my probably one of my favorite films of the past decade. Um, yeah, it's nice it's film. Aaron Sorkin just doing his frantically fast screenplay. Even though there is the imagined moment with uh, her and her father, I think it's is it Kevin Costner. Yeah, if I, I might, Kevin Costner's playing her dad, and it's an imagined scene. I I I know what um, Sorkin was trying to do. I don't know if it works. Just to go back on your Jesse Eisenberg film, if people don't like Jesse Eisenberg, how far how how will they be able to get past that issue, the Jesse Eisenberg issue, for their enjoyment of the film? Um, if you don't like Jesse Eisenberg, then you probably won't enjoy it at all. It's he is like the central character in it, so it's. You know, it, it like because um, I don't. It's kind of I kind of hard to explain. Like I, I don't mind dry humor when it's used correctly. You know, the way you'd have certain films that try and use it and it just doesn't work well at all. That's kind of like the main point of this film. Like that's what it aims for. But as I say, in its last half, it just does a complete one eighty and turns into something completely different. And I was quite shocked by that. I was like, okay, was not expecting that to go there. But uh, if you can stick with it, like I say, it's good. Um. Definitely better than Jesse Eisenberg's performance as Lex Luthor, which we <laughs> talked about heavily in the uh, Justice League pod. So we'll say no more on that. But uh, this is more his role. He's more suited to these types of roles and being very like a uh, very you know, quiet and reserved sort of thing. So yeah. Okay. Well, I, I could be tempted because I know Imogen Poots and Jesse Eisenberg did uh, Vivarium together. And I know they talked about working together before. And I think that was one of the films that they mentioned. Um, so I'm tempted. I didn't know it was on Netflix. Uh, you've both been watching a lot. Well, one of my films, I think, is High Caliber. I've been watching a lot of guff. I'm going to say, like, I mean, there's stuff we've probably talked about before. Um, maybe stuff we've missed just with kind of just how long we take between the rambles. Um, there was stuff like I Care A Lot with Rosamund Pike, which I just thought was fucking brilliant. I think she's great. I would love to see. I don't think she got any nominations at the Academy Awards. I'm not sure if the performance... I don't know if she got many nominations. I'm not 100% certain off the top of my head. But if you haven't seen it, I thought it's great. You know, if you liked her in Gone Girl, you'll definitely like her in this. And the score is is really good as well. But uh, I've been watching... Well, I will level. I'm, I'm trying to look at stuff that I remembered. I was scribbling down 
for what I was watching. And in the last week, I lost a close friend I live with, so I haven't really been in the mood for something hot and heavy. I've been for deep and meaningful. I've been looking for some cheap thrills and some cheap laughs. I will say this, I haven't got them. I ended up watching stuff like War with Grandpa, which is on Amazon Prime now. Robert De Niro, I think it's directed by Tim Hill. I'm not 100% certain that. Let me just check that. It is, yeah, Tim Hill directed it. And you've got a great cast. You've got Christopher Walken in there. You've got Jane Seymour in there. You have uh, Uma Thurman in there. And uh, it's trying to go for a Home Alone kind of vibe. And of of the two films I know that Robert De Niro has been in that feature the word grandpa, it is definitely the better. It is a lot better than Dirty Grandpa, which is an abomination and a a film that's morally repugnant. And I absolutely hate that film, but uh, it, it's it's not going. To, it's it's not got an edge. It's a bit slapsticky. It's trying to have a heart of gold. It's fine. It was on. It, I know it exists. It's there on Amazon Prime. Would I recommend you seek it out? Probably not. If you've kids, maybe you know it's it's got less of a nastier tone. If I can say that compared to something like Home Alone, like the violence isn't as kind of <laughs> when you look back and go, hang on. Isn't this just straw dogs for kids with Home Alone? <laughs> but um, it's it's a perfectly serviceable three star film. But you kind of every time you watch it, you go, Robert, I don't know what you owe on your mortgage. But if that's paying for or the other way to look at it, if De Niro's doing that to help out Scorsese to get something else made, as he's done in the past, you know, albeit it's fine. But if you're looking, if you're a De Niro connoisseur, it's going to be way, way down. The one film I watch, and this will be a key test to see if either of you have seen this. I'm going to hope one of you at least have seen this. Not to get all deep and meaningful for a minute. Um, as I say, a friend of mine, Gary Gibson, uh, passed away. We lived together for three years. Uh, he was age of 36. And uh, we bonded over kevin smith movies that was kind of how we came we'd always known each other we chatted we got we bonded and started to chat about kevin smith movies and one particular film was chasing amy and i didn't realize i didn't even realize it was the 25th anniversary of it being released because i seen kevin smith this week tweeting about it it's his most personal one of his most personal films and uh i absolutely i was i'll say this i was really worried about watching chasing amy because it's uh an lgbt film Written by Kevin Smith. We know what Kevin Smith's like uh, now, more so than what he was then. But he was kind of the indie king back then. In the late 90s, is it going to stand the test of time? Some of those LGBT stuff doesn't do. Still a couple of issues that you look back and you go, yeah, you wouldn't say that, you wouldn't get that. But it's still, oh, sorry, we have an expedient rating. Fucking brilliant. I fucking love chasing him. The one thing I think has been it has been tarred with recently has been and bringing up Kevin Smith, bringing up Justice League to an extent when we had Ben Affleck talking about one of the most awkward things in his career was having to kiss a man in Chasing Amy. And Kevin Smith constantly brought that up in recent years. That's kind of why they fell out. And he brought it up again when Batfleck or when Affleck was cast as Batfleck. That that's the only thing I say, other than a few bits of dialogue, Chasing Amy is just a fucking brilliant film and you look at that you look at clerks and you just go what kevin smith's doing now and i get it and you know kevin smith has talked about this you know he's he nearly had a heart attack he nearly died so now he just wants to make the movies he wants to make with his friends and be on set and enjoy his experience and not try to make film for critics i get that but you watch chase and amy you watch clerks to a lesser extent mall rats 
I'll even throw in Jersey Girl in there as well, which is flawed. It does have Jennifer Lopez in it. It, it is flawed, but um, it's got its heart in its right place. And this is a point where I'm hopefully one of you at least have seen Chase and Amy. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> We're like the worst film fans ever. <laughs> You're, you're, oh. more, so me, more so me than you, Victoria. You know, you've actually seen classics. I ain't seen shit, so, you know. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I expected it from Oliver, but from, but from Brian, maybe. Maybe. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, I would, I would recommend it. I think, you know, there's a couple of kind of terms and maybe a little bit, a couple of bits of dialogue that I think probably are very outdated by today's standard. And there is a particular section, without going into spoilers too much, I know for a film that's 25 years old, with Jason Lee, you know, drawing fictitious, fictitious creations involving the Easter Bunny, Santa Claus, I think it's Easter Bunny, Santa Claus, the butch male-hating lesbian, or dyke, I think is the term, my apologies, used, and the sexy kind of lesbian that could be tempted to become Ben Affleck's boyfriend. There's a bit in there that is... I'm not going to lie, when I was younger, I laughed at it because of the punchline it gets. And I'm maybe getting it slightly wrong. There's a couple of little bits of dialogue I think have dated terribly. But it's just a film you watch and you just go, Kevin Smith at the height of his powers as a filmmaker. He had made Clerks, which made him the indie darling. Mall Rats was a project he went off and made. Of those three early films, I think it's dated the, per- the worst. I was worried that Chase and Amy wasn't going to stand the test of time, but it has. And let me just get the name of the actress. It's uh, Joey Lauren Adams. And she's just fucking brilliant. I've, I've cursed quite a lot in this pod, but I would definitely recommend it. Unfortunately, it's not available on any VOD streaming services. I just picked it up and rented it. I was in the mood to watch it. And uh, I sat back. I was worried about rewatching it. I kind of go, oh, what if this really doesn't hold up? Because I've had that recently with a couple other films. But no, I, I enjoyed it. I loved it. It's just a great film, well worth a watch. And that's kind of... Or some TV, I've been watching The Flight Attendant on Sky, which I think's grand. It's trying to be a bit Hitchcocky, and it's definitely better than Behind Her Eyes, which I watched on Netflix, which was just bad. <laughs> just was bad. But that's enough of me. Um, that's kind of what I've been watching. Maybe I've sold you on watching Chase and Amy, but if you haven't even seen Cocoon, you've got to watch Cocoon first, then... But, Build but, up to it. <laughs> yeah, but let but let's not go there. Let's not let me get into a bitching session. So that's that's kind of bringing this pod to a close. I will, to an extent, I put you on the spot. I think I maybe mentioned this earlier on. We were recording this just before Easter. What would you recommend to our listeners? Good Easter themed movie. Victoria, you can go first. <laughs> <laughs> Are there Easter themed movies? Um... There's an obvious answer. Is there? Yeah, Alien. What? <laughs> just, just watch Alien. How, how, how is that obvious? Because the, the alien egg looks a bit like like a Easter egg. How long have you been following Bandaflix? Every year, pretty much on Easter, there will be a Facebook post with yep. a, an, an egg that looks suspiciously like a xenomorph egg. You know, it's got eggs, all that kind of stuff. It's the obvious choice. It's what I will be watching over Easter, without a doubt. Without a doubt, you know, you have my cast iron guarantee viewers. And listeners, I will be watching Alien at some point over Easter. If Die Hard is a Christmas movie, Alien is an Easter movie. You heard it here first. Can I suggest a Passover movie? All right, okay. Technically not Christian. 
if you haven't seen it, The Prince of Egypt is fucking incredible. I know it's kind of, it's one of those films I loved as a kid and I'd be worried about going back and watching it if it didn't live up to the hype, but it's so good. It's Val Kilmer and Ralph Fiennes as Moses and Ramesses and it's just, it's so good. Isn't that animated? Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, DreamWorks. I think it was Mm -hmm. one of the first major ones that Jeffrey Katzenberg and Steven Spielberg worked on together. Okay. Yeah. I have seen it. It, It's been a while since I've seen it. I think I see. I might have seen it in the cinema. I'm not 100 percent certain, but I have seen it. So yeah, I mean, there's mean. I that's me being completely apologetic. You know, we're talking here about Easter. We should be talking about Passover as well. So James, you've got two choices now. Just to finish things up, what are you going to go? You're going to go for a Passover movie, or you're going to go for an Easter movie? I'll go for an Easter film and (laughs) offend a lot of people with this one. Oh no, I know. Yes. Who are you going to offend? Who are you going to offend? Trust me, there's going to be some Christians in the comments that are going to come after me for that. I'm telling you, I, yeah, you know, someone's going to be like, "That's blasphemy right there." Yeah. Get him. <laughs> no, the Life of Brand, perfect Easter film. Hey, that's my perfect answer. Hang on a minute, James. You're talking to the person who was on Radio Ulster um, a couple of years ago, talking about uh, the Life of Brand, who then kind of said, "You know what? I love about Life of Brand. It's just taking. It just takes the piss. I didn't say take the piss. It just sends up the fact that how how so many people misinterpret misinterpret the religion and misinterpret what Christ and what religion means. And I was very quickly and aptly saved by the host who said, "Not all." Christians, yeah, it's like, yeah, of course. So look, I mean, not all's gonna happen there. I mean, I've been there and done that. I absolutely love Life of Brian. It's not my favorite Monty Python film. I will be honest. Um, it's not. It's not my famous. I do love the Holy Grail, but um, it's like I think it's when you rewatch it because, like, I first saw it as a kid, which mm-hmm. you know, and like, um, and like my granny's house years and years ago. Yep, and then when you. <laughs> And then, yeah, and then and then when you rewatch it now, like and you understand the context of everything more, and you're like, this is absolutely brilliant. But I do have a film as well for you know if you're wanting to be more serious in terms of that, Exodus: Gods versus Kings by Ridley Ooh. Scott. It's decent. I mean, very long. That's the uh, Christian Bale one, isn't it? Yeah. So see, I'm offering both sides of the field. I I actually think Exodus is a really good double bill with uh, Prometheus and Alien Covenant, if you so wish. Because I love, I actually love how Ridley Scott is someone who's clearly fascinated by religion. He really is when you sit and look at him. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, so so look, I I don't think we're going to top that, to be honest. You know, I think we've all got some great choices. James is clearly going to get stuck into McFlurry (laughs) here. You know, listeners. jealous. Listeners can't see that, you know, Victoria and I, I've got a, an empty glass. So I was drinking some water. Victoria's got some coffee. James has got a McFlurry. So I think we will bring this ramble to a close um, and uh, let James enjoy his ice cream. What, what have you got? <laughs> the key question was, James, what have you got in your McFlurry? Um, I think it's crunchy. Oh, Ooh, never nice. you, yeah. it's, never, it's never a good sign when you have to say, I think. I know it's, it's, it's chocolate coated balls, so yeah, I'm pretty sure chocolate it's something. Yeah, it's, it's, it's chocolate. That's all that matters. It, it's stuff. It's stuff delivered to your room. That's what more could you possibly want? I mean, I'm not going to get this when I move out, you know. So mm. <laughs> milk it while you can. Yeah, exactly. go for it. 
go for it. Maybe maybe I'd ask for a soft drink as well from that well-known fast food purveyor that is uh, somewhere that has a go- those golden gates, those golden arches. You golden know. arches. Mm. You know, maybe got a happy meal. I don't know. They've got a Jurassic Park theme at the minute. <gasps> you know, yeah. I'll be right back. <laughs> um, so uh, we'll let James enjoy his McFlurry and say Thanks. that, of course, all other fast food places are available, but you can't get a McFlurry anywhere else other than McDonald's. And now I want a McFlurry. Uh, so all that's really left for me to do now is to thank you, thank both my contributors. Thank you very much, Victoria Brown. Thank you, Jim. And thank you very much, James Oliver. Thank you, Jim. Pleasure as always. I'm so disappointed. I thought you would try to speak with your mouth full, full of ice cream. <laughs> no, or, no, no, no. Or maybe try to eat it really quickly and get brain freeze. Although you don't really get brain freeze from McFlurry. So, you know, yeah. Depends, depends how you eat it. I don't know. You know, you take it, you take your time and savor a McFlurry. You don't just chomp it. That's slow and methodical. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. So that's enough from us for this month's ramble. We'll be back next month with another ramble. But in the meantime, as always, there'll be loads of podcasts in between now and then. Thank you for listening, and we'll be back soon. Goodbye. has been we need to talk about movies thanks for listening for more information visit banterflix.com see you next time <laughs>